Broadcasting Network. Hello, my little sticky buns. It's me, Allison Rosen. Before the show officially starts, I just wanted to say a few words. One, don't forget, you can see us live in the flesh, August 9th at Nerd Melt. We are doing a live Allison Rosen is your new best friend. The guest will be the very funny Pete Holmes, and the musical guest will be Michael Rosas, which is very exciting because I love him, and I think that you guys do too. So you can get more information on that at allisonrosen.com. Another thing that I should tell you is this is a very special episode because it is part one of two. There was so much Bobcat Goldthwait goodness that we had to break it into two episodes. So a lot of you have been saying you wish that you could hear this, uh, you know, at least twice a week. This is your week, people. Uh, Download this one. Love it. And then on Thursday, you can hear part two. So mark it in your calendar, write it on your hand, stay up until Thursday, whatever you have to do. Gary, I believe we have an iTunes comment of the week. Allison wants your iTunes comments. Allison wants them. Yes, she does. Please leave her some iTunes comments and don't forget to click five stars. This week's iTunes comment of the week comes from Robert M. Day, and it is titled Get Into It with Jim Norton. Great choice of guest and way to roll with him. Jim is hilarious and you played off him exceptionally well. Your interview style is supportive yet probing. You never back away and or recoil and with Jim that could be super easy. Another superb podcast. I am now just excited to hear yours as Adams. Well produced, Gary. Thank you. That's very nice. Although, as Gary and I have discussed, I think that I did actually recoil uh, at least once And definitely when Jim said that he often smells the toilet paper after wiping his ass. Gary, did you recoil? I did recoil. That one was jarring. And I think that your recoiling and my recoiling was the normal reaction. Right. And I haven't even started sniffing the toilet paper that I used to wipe my ass since. Have you? No. That that just doesn't seem productive. I mean, I guess you could get some information from it, but... Uh, I know what I ate. I mean, I don't, think that, I don't think that's why he's doing it. I don't think it's to check up on his diet. What other information th- you know, are you gathering? <laughs> he said that he does it to see if he's healthy or not, which I feel like is just... That's a justification for wanting to sniff your ass. Dogs do it. There must be something great about it. The more you know. Yeah. All right. Okay, so please, if you enjoy this episode and this show, leave an iTunes comment and click five stars. And the question this week to answer is, if you feel like it, you don't have to, obviously. You can just talk about how wonderful the show is. Um, What is your middle name? I would like to know because I've been noticing – I have a very normal middle name. Mine is just uh, Michelle. But I've been noticing more and more that people I talk to have middle names that are very unconventional, either they're – uh, if they're female, they have a boy's middle name or they have a last name as middle name. So I'm wondering, what's up with all of that? And uh, here's the episode. Enjoy. Allison Rosen, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison, with perfect good times never end. Allison Rosen. Hey, 
everyone. Hi. Hello. It's me, Allison Rosen, and welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. My guest today is none other than Bobcat Goldthwaite. Hello. Oh, hi. <laughs> and I need to tell you guys a couple things about shirts before we start. All right. One, I'm wearing a bright yellow shirt because normally I only ever wear black. Like the lightest <laughs> I go is um, just a lighter shade of black. That's the, dark, the brightest I go. That should be the name of your album. A brighter shade of black. <laughs> a lighter shade of black. Yeah. So why are you all... What is it? It's well, a I, string? I, I just got tired of my whole ensembles <laughs> of all of them. I just got tired of the whole thing. And I think I wanted to change. So I bought some shirts. But some, like, in varying degrees of not black. But I just... I went way too far today. Yeah, and now I'm wearing, like... Yeah, that's about as far as uh, against black you could go. Yeah. It's like highlighter yellow. <laughs> I want to take it off and throw it out and put on something black. It feels weird. But it looks like you're something that um, I should remember. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's as as if under my shirt I've written a bunch of notes. Super important stuff that's really the gist of what what you are about. Have you ever experimented with um, pink or blue highlighters? It, it throws me off my game. Because I have shirts in those colors. I don't. Oh, really? No, I don't. The problem with those is that you they're, they're too much. You can't really see through them. Yeah, it doesn't say, ta-da, like yellow does. Right. <laughs> but this yellow is even, and this is great for people who are just listening, this yellow is even brighter than I realized it was. Yeah. I thought it was just yellow. This is like, like, fuck, I'm yellow. Yeah, it's also got a hint, uh, dare I say, or it could be the neon lights Uh-oh. in here, a hint of green. It's a little greeny. I, I'm hoping it brings out the green in my skin. <laughs> and then you gave me a shirt from your most recent movie, yes. God Bless America, but, a dark satire. And <laughs> yeah, no, take take it away. No, but I uh, people should, I own a lot of cats. And How many is a lot? I, I, uh, four. That's okay. kind of that's a lot, a lot, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I, um, I. They're all rescues, and and three of them were like within a, a less than a year uh, rescue. My my wife calls me the Schindler of cats. <laughs> <laughs> More cats would have lived if I had. No. So right. So uh, squeaky from. There's uh, the the news cat is Detective Carla Whiskerson. She plays <laughs> by her own rules. <laughs> And uh, and then the widow Madeline Perman and oh. then uh, Pete Fleuru. She's French Canadian. The widow Madeline Perman, her husband Admiral Perman. Don't bring it up, but he died in the war. So there's a needlepoint of a cat dressed as an admiral, a foot and a half off the ground on the floor next to oh. Madeline Perman's bed. But unfortunately, will she ever love again? I. She doesn't want to. She thinks nobody could fill. Uh, you know, first, right? You know what? His paws, big paws, <laughs> big, paws big, big to, boots, big boots to fill. <laughs> Also, uh, you know, the admiral's first love was the sea, so she should have saw it coming. Yeah, you know, but so right. she should have seen that watery grave in her future. The watery grave, but the detective Carla Whiskerson, she she thinks out of the box. That's the thing. <laughs> she's always she plays on her own her own uh, her own rules. Right? Do you feel like she's keeping tabs on you? Uh, the. No, she's the detective because she's always walking around the perimeter of the house. Okay, she's always looking for clues. <laughs> And I say stuff like, Whiskerson, someone's responsible for that sparrow's head on the back porch. 
and I want answers. Mm-hmm. I tell her to pure lip. That's what I do when my wife's at work. Uh, so, uh, so unfortunately, I thought it'd be a nice gesture to bring you this shirt of the. It was the crew shirt from uh, God Bless America. I love it. And, it, and then it lists all the people who get shot and killed in the movie. But I, uh, I everything in our house has got cat hair, and you're allergic to cats. No, so. well, yeah, I am. But allow me to. It's true. So, so if your throat closes up in the middle of no. this podcast. It's, but that's what I was saying before when I was trying to backpedal. <laughs> it feels really bad, actually. It's, it shouldn't have cat hair on it. How, 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 how skanky are we? I, I'm pretty, you know. I love it. It's, cause it's got a little more of your household. <laughs> I feel in, acquainted with it. Um, here's the thing. I'm allergic to cats, but I'm not violently allergic. Because like when, when I was six... Six through um, older. My best friend had a million cats, many ah, more than you. Really? Yes. Uh, not to make you feel bad about your <laughs> no, cat no. quantity. No, I feel but, good. I feel responsible. Yeah. No, they had like a zillion cats, like, and I would just set foot in that, like the kind of house where you walk in and the lights are out and you hear hissing and fighting and stuff. <laughs> it was like a, a cat house, but not in the brothel not way, not in the sexy way. And I would walk in, and you know, I would feel that scratchy throat, eyes watering ah. kind of situation. And it's not like that anymore because your allergies can change as you get older. So now I'm just, you know, a little sniffly and not around all cats. And I have a feeling <laughs> that uh, – see, now I'm in – and this is a real conundrum because what? I'm hating the bright shirt. Here's a black shirt, but it's got ah, cats on it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, don't uh, put it on. You'll, I you'll, won't. <laughs> you'll. Also, there was a lot of pressure when I was picking because there was more than one of those. And um, I'm thinking – I don't. Oh no! There's there's no smalls. I don't want to give you a medium, thinking that I think you're portly, which by no stretch of the imagination do I think you are. Is that what medium represents now? No, but but you know, it's just that I don't know you I'm well a enough fat to be. Get, <laughs> you are not. But also, you know, different <laughs> women go different sizes on t-shirts. Like uh, you know, I like them. I like them oversized normally. Actually, yeah. Okay. So oh. so uh, like a, a sleeping apparel. Yes. There yes. was uh, – we knew a woman that we used to work with who uh, who would say, if I can fit into it, it's my size. <laughs> she sounds sassy. She was very sassy. I was trying not to – I think the sass came through. She she was a, a black lady. <laughs> I was trying not to be – I was be, just going to say, skinny, yeah. skinny Jewish chick. <laughs> yeah. If I can fit in, it's my size. She was Gaelic, actually. She was a little Irish <laughs> I hen. Did, I didn't expect that at all. No. So I'm looking at the list of people that have been killed in this movie, which brings me to a question. You were Homecoming King? Yes, I was the Homecoming King. Uh, uh, you've done research. I did a little research You did this do morning. a little research, yeah. yes. I know people, uh, you know, most comics are always like, you know, I'm got, someday uh, I'll get famous and you'll all pay. But uh, It's what I, motivates almost everyone I know. Yeah, but I, I was really popular in high school. That, that though, did not fill the hole. <laughs> So, Clearly, yeah. No, but then I went out and I was performing in high school. Uh, my friend Tom Kenny and myself, when we were SpongeBob, we, SpongeBob SquarePants. I don't want to. I don't want to name drop. I'm trying to. You know, I, I decided today I was going to try because I've done a lot of podcasts lately to promote this movie. I wanted to try to not repeat myself. Oh, so, good. So let's see. What could I tell you that I haven't told other right. people about? Have other people been unearthing this Homecoming King thing? Um, no, I haven't talked too much about that. I'm trying to. I'm 
was trying to think of uh, good stories about Tom Kenny and I when we were growing up, but I realized they're just horribly embarrassing for him, so I'm not going to tell that one. Do you have any that are embarrassing for you? Eh, well, but the, you know, the first time we met, we were six years old, and I went to Catholic school, and this nun was crying, and she dragged me into his classroom in first grade, and I was crying too. I was just fat kid. <laughs> just, and uh, I, I was really Bobby Hill is what I was. So she dragged me in, and she just said, I can't take him anymore, and left me in Tom Kenny's class. And so, Tom, what were you supposed to do? Uh, I was upset. I thought I was never oh, going to oh, see she, my friends again. She she couldn't take you anymore. Yeah, she kicked okay. me out of her class and gave me to the other class, the other nun. And Tom thought it was really cool that I could make a grown nun cry. <laughs> so he introduced himself at lunch, and then we became uh, good buddies all the way. I'll tell a story that I haven't told about okay. Tommy and I. Um. There was a girl, and I well, it's good that I don't remember her name, but she had two hooks for 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 hands. She was missing her hands, and when they were picking sides in second grade uh, for dodgeball, the three last people were Tom Kenny, me, and her <laughs> to get picked. <laughs> and so I was talking to Tom Kenny about this, and I said. Hey, Tommy goes, that was the day I knew I'd never be good at sports. <laughs> and and my ego's so big, I thought, well, they, they know that Tommy and I can handle it. So that's why they're picking – because they picked her in front of us, by the way. <laughs> she got, She's definitely a, a detriment to the dodgeball game. I would think, yeah. Right? Yes. I mean, she's – whatever. But so, yeah, so, so – I mean, she could stab the ball, I or, guess. Yeah, but like, psh, oh, right. Karen <laughs> – so, so yeah. So waving so, around a deflated there, ball. There is a Tom Kenny and I uh, story, but uh, I'll, I'll try to think of. I, I just don't want to have you know when I ego surf. I don't want to read people saying you know, blob scratch Goldfarb told the same stories again. When? No, I don't. I don't want that either. I know. I got to keep it fresh. Whose podcast have you done recently? Wait, hold on a second. I, we'll get back to whose podcast have you done recently. But this goes to something that's a frequent theme on this show. You said the term ego surf. Is that what you? Call searching comment boards? Yeah, ego surfing. You oh, know, okay. When you, when we you, can talk about that. <laughs> no, we don't need to talk about it any more than that, but I thought that was unique that you have your don't, own term for don't it. You think I've never that heard would be, that. Don't you think that would be a good like uh, show for like a sketch thing or a UCB thing where you get a bunch of people together <laughs> and they ego surf yeah. and, they, and then, they, then they discuss <laughs> what they read about really themselves? Funny. Yeah. Well, I actually have a segment on this show, which we'll do later, called Hey, Go Fuck Yourself, which is where I address some of the comments. But wait, do you— Do they hurt you, those comments? They do. They do? Well, but there's two different kinds. There's some that actually hurt me. There's mm-hmm. some that hurt me. And then there's some that are just so crazy that I don't even don't even bother reading them. Do you know what I mean? Like the ones that attack uh, me or the movie— for the politics behind it. I don't read that because it's just like sports, you know. It's just – do you know what I mean? It's just name-calling yeah. and just kind of – it's really boring, you know. That Those frustrate me sometimes because I feel like y- the person writing it didn't even understand at all what I was saying. Right. But it that is le- much less painful. But it does get to be frustrating when and if you you know this is something that if you're in the public eye obviously you have to get past uh, caring about whether other people really get you but it, I do in general feel frustrated when I feel like people do not understand at all what I'm saying that like I, I'm someone who wants to be understood yeah. to my detriment probably yeah that that always uh, to me that's really key like more important than 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 if someone said that I was funny or whatever, that not, but being heard is way more important. How many kids in your family? Uh, I have two older brothers who are 11 years older than I am, and then I have a younger sister. Oh, that's weird then. 
I, I mean, I, there were seven people at our house. I was the last one to get wow. crapped out. So, I mean, you can understand maybe why I was like, it's important. But it is very important that people hear what I'm saying more than if they like what I'm saying. Do you generally feel like they do hear what you're saying? Because your stuff is <laughs> so, I, well, I would say so dark. Well, it, it, the, the the movies I make are, are dark, but I, I guess that's probably why the persona I had, all those, it's kind of funny. It was important that people understood me, and then I it decided to have a character that you couldn't understand what I was saying. <laughs> yeah. I, why don't they understand right. me? Because <laughs> you sound like Grover and Donald Duck. <laughs> I had an experience when I was directing the Kimmel show when Grover was on. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, name dropping, but Grover was on the show <laughs> and he was just, he was not, like, wouldn't you think he'd have a certain case they would carry him in, like the yeah. Holy Grail or something, right. you know? So the Ark of the Covenant, but, but <laughs> the Ark of the. Uh, kind the, of blue light coming yeah, out of yeah. it. Yeah. It should have been <laughs> like an, <laughs> a, a, a Kiss Me Deadly or, or uh, Pulp Fiction like glowing suitcase. Right. But so it, it, he, uh, uh, Grover was just laying on the floor and his legs were all akimbo and he, he looked like a suicide. He all flat and stuff. And I said to the puppeteer, I'm like, yo, that's, that's really fucking me up. Can you please put the puppet on? So he puts Grover on and he goes, hi, Bobcat. And, uh, and, uh, and I really did this. I go, uh, hi, Grover. And then, uh, at that same moment, I was like, oh, this is clearly where I got my act. <laughs> Like, clearly, as a kid, I was like, that guy's got good chops. I like his <laughs> acting style. I like that. Group. That, and um, I thought, wow, I think I owe the Hanson Company a lot of money. No. Well, so where did the character and the voice come from? Well, the idea of just going out on stage and, and, uh, and being myself seemed terrifying. So it was much easier just to, to just be as nervous as I was feeling. And also, I, I had no interest in doing observational comedy and all that kind of comedy. And, and, and so I was just trying to make fun of it. So, and I also just – when I first started, I didn't do traditional stand-up. It was reading Dear John letters and crying and that would be it. And, you know, thank you, good night, you know. Mm-hmm. How fat is your wife? I said I didn't have a wife, you know, in tears. And, How did that go over? Um, sometimes it go very well. Uh, here's a story I haven't told. I remember years ago, speaking of Grover, I'm, I think I'm the same age as Jim Carrey. So he would come down from Toronto to audition for TV shows in New York. And then I would come in from Boston and he would get a standing O. He, he was like, his act was like super mom and pop at the time. Like he'd go on stage and do... Catherine Hepburn and, uh, uh, you know, for, you know, I mean, he would just uh, 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 on Golden Pond, he'd recreate that. And then he would end singing the Rainbow Connection <laughs> as Kermit. And the crowd would go insane, you know, and there wasn't a curse word in his whole act. And, mm-hmm. he, was, and he would just and then I would come on stage. <laughs> I'd be in a leisure suit and mascara crying and uh, gutting fish on stage. And I would clean the room like a bad fart, man. It'd be like people just running out the door, you know. But but again, you know, it was kind of more important that people uh, heard me or, or remembered me or, any, or I made an impact than, than winning them over, which was kind of uh, – it's a strange field to get into. It's, you know, I often – you know, Robin Williams is my friend and I often discuss that w- with him. You know, his neuroses is that he wants everybody to – like him, give him the thumbs up and say, you're really funny. You know, my neurosis is just, uh, you know, it's different. You know, it was just like people, I wanted people to go, because uh, <laughs> like he would go on to a set, Robin, and then I'd go on after and it'd be like, hey, we saw Robin Williams last night. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And then Bobcat Goldthwait came out and you know what he did? You know what I mean? <laughs> 
for some reason. And you liked that? Well, that's just how I'm wired, you know. Unfortunately, mine's not uh, my <laughs> my mental illnesses aren't lucrative. What are they? Um, I think that, you know, I don't think I have that much. I think when people see the movies that I make, I think they do think I sit down and go, uh, this will really freak people out if I make a movie about that. But that's not really, even though I, I say that's what interested me as a performer, at this point, the, the scripts I write are just the things that come out of me. I don't, I don't, I don't sit there and go, oh, how is this going to go over? Or is this going to get me a job? Or is this going to make money? Or is this going to appeal to X, Y, and Z? I really just sit down and write them, and I don't expect them to even get made. And then the ones we make, it's always a surprise when I make them. Um, do you remember what the first thing you ever thought was funny was? You mean the first person or thing? Yeah, well, I remember mine. This what is le- this is leading to no, I, what, what made what? you want to get into comedy. But I, my, my first thing that I remember really laughing at was um, I was out with my family and I was somewhere between two and four. I don't know. I think <laughs> I was in a high chair, though. And or my sister was in a high chair, but a poached egg slipped. Um, by the way, this is going to be refined, high concept comedy. A poached egg like slipped off of a plate and and you know fell onto the floor and kind of wobbled. And then my mom looked at it. My mom, who's kind of wound tight, she looked at it and she said, "Bye bye egg." And I thought that was the funniest thing ever. And I think it kind of... It still of, holds up. Yeah, no, it's good. Right. <laughs> I, I think she stole it, honestly. I, I, but yeah. Or she had someone write it for her. Really? You think yeah. she stole it, though? No. Bye Bye Egg? No, I think that was it. That was hers? Shelly I met Rosen your mother. Original. Oh, that's right. Yeah. She, See, that's she, a news mom original. <laughs> that's what's my mom original. Yeah, don't get well, your mother... Uh, don't, don't have other mothers saying she's a hack and a thief. <laughs> I know. Bye bye mom. She, yeah, no no, that was that was her. But uh I Bye think bye egg what, and it slayed you? It must oh have my you god. still remembered it. Oh my god. I laugh and, and it's that's like something that my family remembers and <laughs> not that they t- every year we talk about it. Not really. But it was just just that it it just I couldn't I could not stop laughing for the longest time. And I think it kinda gets to uh the heart of comedy a bit, which is that it was this release of tension because, like I said, my mom's kind of high strung and I imagine, you know, as a little kid, <laughs> I probably was expecting her to freak out or something. I was expecting right. there to like, uh oh, this is a, a situation that's where people are going to be on edge. And instead, right. it she just laughed it off. And I thought it was so but funny. But has that shaped your, your comedy? Well, I laugh when I see eggs. Um, <laughs> Humpty <no>. Dumpty? <laughs> It's hysterical. Yeah. No, no it hasn't. It's, it's just what—it's just the first thing I remember thinking was hilarious. But I remember like – well, I would say um, my the things that I always found super funny is that always the times where you weren't supposed to laugh. That's so – I mean that, I think – isn't that the, the best comedy? Oh, yeah. Inappropriate comedy? But you know what I mean? mean? Not like – not inappropriate like, like, oh, you shouldn't laugh at that because it's uh, shocking or tasteless. But just those times where – you really shouldn't laugh. That is, to me, the the funniest kind of stuff. I know the first time I had that experience, and that was like um, there was a kid who was um, he was like what is it? He was a savant, I guess. I don't know what you would say. It, it, they they I won't say his name, but I remember it. And it, he just uh, one day went away and never came back. But he was in kindergarten, first grade, and second grade with us. In second grade. Um, I guess his sister fell in the diaper pail, and uh, he would just go, sissy fell in the diaper pail, sissy fell in the diaper pail, and then put a racer in his mouth and run around the room barking. 
and, and and we weren't supposed to laugh, but that's it, it would slay me. You know, that's like so, early cringe. Comedy. Yeah, yeah, it totally was. So, so wait, do you, was he autistic? Because uh, savant to me is he, someone because who's he like could, super intelligent. Yeah, was but he like, that as well. Yeah, was because he like a tiny like, rain boy. He was because in 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 kindergarten he could spell all of our first and last names and do math. But but he also wow. uh, thought he was a dog and <laughs> liked to talk about his sister falling in a diaper pail a lot. <laughs> it is, does make me laugh, even though I feel uncomfortable laughing well, at that. Well, of course, it was I horrible. I feel uncomfortable. I mean, that- Sissy fell in the diaper pail. I bet you if I ran into him now and said that, he would die. <laughs> I bet you anyone who was there then, <laughs> if you said that to them now, yeah. would die. Yeah, since he found the diaper. Yeah, I know. It would have like some sort of Pavlovian thing. But but those kind of laughs are always, you know, um, at my oldest brother's uh, funeral, uh, a, a, a little person was his pallbearer. And no one gave us the heads up. And, <laughs> and my daughter and I looked down the church <laughs> and I go... It looks like Ricky's riding a subway because <laughs> he's hanging on. So, and my daughter goes, "Dad, he just got air." <laughs> so, so my daughter and I are now like like convulsing with laughter, but we're not, you know. So we're yeah. and our shoulders are jerking up and down, and people just keep coming up and rubbing me on the back. Going, it's okay, man. It's okay. <laughs> I feel like that's the best laughter. Is but isn't that the when that, it. Yeah, that that's the healing stuff. Yeah, exactly. You know, that is the healing stuff. And, uh, you know, and there's people who, who really don't see that, which is kind of funny. Back to uh, uh, <laughs> the comment uh, people, you know, uh, this new movie, and, I, and I'm not trying to be a, a plug guy. I mean, the movie's, you know, whatever. It's it's available <laughs> for people. With, uh, well, I, uh, I would ask you to plug it. Okay, so how so about if is, you tell it, us where we can get it and what the deal is? It's a movie about a guy who's suicidal but instead of committing suicide, he's about to commit suicide, and he sees a girl on my super sweet sixteen. So he drives four hundred miles and he shoots her in the face. So that's uh, it's called God Bless America, and, then, <laughs> and so there's a lot of killing. But it's, and he teams up with a teenager, a right? teenage kid. Yeah, but it's the movie is I like to say it's a very violent movie about kindness. That, that's that's how I, I like to to frame it. Because he's angry because he feels like. In our culture, we've lost kindness, right? Yeah, his whole thing is he just wants people to act nice and be right. You know, the girl who he teams up with, she's just a uh, a teenage girl who's uh, who's homicidal, who 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 hates everything and everybody, which is the way it goes. You know, I mean, um, the movie that I kind of was really influenced when I made this one was Badlands. You know, and and um, but when I started looking at spree killers, there's a lot of often when there's a, a a young girl involved she's often the engine and 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 she doesn't the get tiny blamed. lady macbeth yeah yeah so exactly so so uh so so that that's why i i i wrote the way i did the movie and how much is he, how much does he mirror your feelings people confuse frank the character for me a lot i agree with about 90 percent of the things he says but i, I don't actually feel like him because I'm I'm happy. I don't sit around. I don't I don't I think sometimes people confuse the rants for the way I talk all day or or what I do in my act and 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 um it's just a, it was just an idea I was exploring. I'm not I mean I do <laughs> I'm not trying to distance myself. Like there's a thing there's like like Diablo Cody was upset because the girl in the movie says uh we should kill Diablo Cody and uh <laughs> 
<laughs> she took offense? Uh, well, but, <laughs> thin skinned. But I'm not saying that we should kill Diablo Cody. I don't think we should kill any of the people they kill in the movie or suggest they should kill. But why would she, how thin skinned? How dare she? Pashaw. Sure. Right. Where does she get why balls would she that, take that big? Personally? Why would she take that personally? <laughs> uh, but uh, bec- that's in there because my daughter's really funny. And whenever she says anything funny, people will go, uh, You're like Juno. And, and she goes, Dad, I want to stab him right in the throat when they call me Juno. Yeah. So that's why the kid in the movie says it. But uh, but then she <laughs> – so, so Diablo Cody said that uh, she was upset. But she hadn't seen the movie. And honestly, if I was watching Young Adult or something about her and, and they said, we should kill Bobcat Goldthwait. That guy's really pretentious now. He's trying to make movies. He's the dude from Police Academy that washed up has been or something. I, I, uh, I don't think I would get upset, honestly, it, because that character would not like Juno. And I stand by that. So what is the? I mean, why? I mean, the uh, people are shocked more by that than when we shoot a baby in the movie. Well, I actually was just on a podcast recently, and uh, someone else's podcast, and we were talking about how much violence in movies can you take. And she said that now that she has a kid, she can't handle the baby killing scene of your movie. So I know someone who can't handle it. How dare she? No. <laughs> but it's uh, – Yeah, it's interesting. What do you make of that? Uh, well, you know what's funny? The, the only famous. time I ever killed anything was once my daughter was born. It was uh, – when, when my daughter was born, there was a, 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 a mouse got in the house. And in my head, it was just this giant rat, mm-hmm. <laughs> like a gorilla-sized rat. And it was the only time I ever killed anything was I killed that mouse. How? With a broom. I mean, it got caught in a trap, and then I, I smashed it. But, like, in my head, it was going to kill my baby. And I became <laughs> super protective. Yeah. Was it hard? What, was that whole thing upsetting? No. I was just, like, it was just, it was, that, it was that, that dirty rat. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Suddenly, I'm James Cagney. That dirty rat or my, my daughter, and I killed it. Or you're hiring scab workers. A scab workers. Yeah. You know, that was the, the big rat. It was the rat was actually uh, writing. <laughs> in the kitchen making okay. noise. That makes sense. Um, hmm. Interesting. So having a daughter brought out this protective Yeah, man. It or was, violent. I, in, not violent, in protective thing that, that I kind of understood uh, why people are violent. But I'm very nonviolent. I mean, I, uh, you know, to me it's, it's... You seem like a very sweet, nice guy. Oh, Pasha again. <laughs> I'm sure that's not who you are. No, but, thank no, you. No, but but I mean, but it makes sense that that in your art, that's where this other stuff would come out. Do you look at it that way? I think it all comes out. Yeah, I mean, like all all the stuff that you're not supposed to talk about, all that stuff is, is I put it out there and deal with it. You know, and I think most people in show business suppress who they really are all the time. And then you, later on, you find out they beat their wife, or they're you know a pill head, or they're you know you, you find out all these things about them. But but I take or the, even something as simple as their sexuality, they were you know not well, comfortable saying what they. Really but I were. never blame anybody in show business for for keeping their sexuality themselves because because it does a, a, a affect their employment. Do, yeah, do you know what I mean? Like if you're a guy who's trying to get a leading man, you won't get you know that 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 that's a that's just the, that's who we are. Maybe you know we haven't. So, like, I have a big problem when Perez Hilton would, like, out actors and things. It's not like they're, like, political people who are making uh, oppressive, uh, you know, uh, uh, policies. Mm -hmm. They're just people who are trying to work, you know. I mean, like, if, like, 
for him to be a guy who's in the gossip business and to be straight, that would probably be something he would keep away from people. <laughs> right. You know, I can't let that out. I'll be washed up, you know. Yeah. So um, I thought about killing him in, in God Bless America, but then I just thought he wasn't even that interesting to kill. <laughs> yeah, who didn't make the cut He, he didn't him? make it. I just thought he's just, you know, he's just so silly. Um, but uh there was, you know, I mean, there there was about an, uh, an extra eighty pages that all hit the floor, and um, um, it, there was people who were, uh, you know, just kind of stuff that was. I felt it would just been repetitive, you know. Maybe a certain beach house got blown up in Jersey, you know. I mean, it's that that, that all the writing's do, on the wall. Do you think those kind of shows are destructive? No, I I think you know this whole mo- movie was pointing out. What is it about us that is so interested in these distractions? I, I don't, I don't really care about these shows. Like sometimes people go, well, "Why doesn't Frank turn the TV off?" It's like because I don't follow the Kardashians at all, at all. I've never seen the show, but I know when one gets married and gets divorced. I know all this stuff just by. Do proxy. you know that Courtney just had a baby? Yeah, I do know that she just crapped out. Do a you baby. know what the baby's name is? Uh, Hitler. <laughs> no, I no, I don't know. Okay. What is the baby's name? Penelope. Penelope. I know that. But but, but proving it, your point. But but it's just through osmosis and through through the world we live in. So so I I really wanted to make a movie that blames us. Like why are we so caught up in being distracted all the time? And, and including myself, I'm blaming myself too. I'm not above this stuff. I mean, I I slip occasionally. I just think in the digital age we we are becoming really really um, isolated and and. And I don't think all conversations should be heavy and social political, mm-hmm. but we don't ever expose ourselves to each other anymore because well, we're too busy talking about things that really don't. We're uh, too busy being connected. That's the irony. Connected to to, to, to e- shit. To, to, yeah. To 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 nothing. To 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 tweet wars and stuff that really has nothing to do with reality. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I was um, my boyfriend and I just went to a wedding, and then we were talking about, you know, if like who we would be choosing in our wedding party. And we both had these realizations of, well, who are our close friends right now? And then I was thinking that I wonder how much my, you know, I'm able to, like, I don't have a whole big group of tight knit close friends anymore. And some of that's my age. Cause I did when I definitely did when I was younger. Um, but I definitely feel like there's all these people that I deal with all the time. And I wonder how much is that because of Facebook and because of Twitter and because of these digital ways of staying connected that aren't at all the same as actually hanging out. Because it's very rare that I actually hang out with my friends. So would you have a, a an online wedding? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and you know how I'm going to do that? With GoToMeeting. Ah. Mm-hmm. So you guys. Thank you. You guys are probably familiar with GoToMeeting. And if you aren't, you should be. Gary and I used this today. And it is effing amazing. It is a way. Okay. I am not someone who relishes the idea of having to have an in-person meeting with a bunch of people, and here's why. It always takes forever to set the damn thing up. You spend like a week trying to find a time that everyone is available, and then right before you're supposed to have the meeting, someone can't show up. And especially in the summer, it's hard because people are out of town or they're working different hours. I remember when I worked at a magazine, the entire it was a magazine that was on two floors, and the whole upstairs would leave early in the summer. And the whole downstairs, which is where the editorial was, had to work the whole day. And that made me angry. But that doesn't really have to do with anything except that it's so much easier if you can just meet 
and have a meeting on your computer. And that's what you can do with GoToMeeting. And Gary and I use this today, and it is awesome. You can see each other with because there's GoToMeeting with HD faces, so everyone can see each other. And you can pull up documents on the screen so everyone can see what you're talking about. And this is, I think, the coolest thing. You can actually be – different people can type on the same document. So you truly can collaborate. Absolutely. It, it was really cool. It's, it's not only just um, – <clears throat> Just video conferencing, but it's HD, so it's really clear. You can have up to six people like that you can see, but you can have like up to twenty five listening. And then when you know, let's say Allison and I are doing it to work on the Just Me or Everyone's for for the next episode, we can I can you know click and give her control of my mouse and keyboard so that she can move things around to show me exactly how she wants it, as opposed to spending five minutes trying to verbally explain it to me. So it's really really cool, and it's. Super and, intuitive to use. Like you just click one yes. button and it, it starts the meeting all up for you. It's it's super intuitive. Right. Because I'm always dubious of things like this. I'm worried that at a certain step I will get confused or it'll crash or something won't work. But go to meeting, the reason it's so popular is that it actually works super well and it's very easy to use. And they have online support twenty four seven. But I don't even think you'll need it. So go to meeting by Citrix. All you need is your computer, and you can use your built-in webcam, or you can use uh, a video camera, and you can use your built-in mic, and you can join meetings from your iPad or your iPhone. And they have a 30-day free trial. So for 30 days, you can have unlimited meetings. Um, so sign up and try it because I think you'll realize that you love it. Start hosting your own face-to-face online meetings today with GoToMeeting. My listeners can try it free for 30 days. Don't wait for this special offer. Visit GoToMeeting.com. Click on the Try It Free button and use the promo code Allison. I'm Allison. That's why the promo code is Allison. <laughs> Just for people who are like, what? Why that name? Be sure to use the promo code Allison. But now, you know, what's a good uh, – uh, when you're doing a conference call, you don't know who's talking. You don't. And people don't wait and they all talk all over each other. It's terrible. I hate conference calls. Exactly. That's why. This would solve my problem. Yes, you can see everyone. And I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, although I tweeted it right after. So there was four of us on the <laughs> meeting, on the right. go-to-meeting. Four of us went to this go-to-meeting. And afterwards, <laughs> I actually I had to write an email, Gary, and I felt a little bit lonely. I was like, oh, my friends <laughs> in my computer are gone. They're gone. Well, I truly did. It really was kind of a letdown going back to just normal. Yeah. Normal. Well, I I used to uh, I used to direct the Kimmel show, like I mentioned, and uh, sometimes I I get stuck on these conference calls where everybody would be in a meeting room and and the conference call thing was in the middle. Do you know what I mean? Yes, it like, that, a, like weird Death yeah. Star. And so yeah, exactly. I was, it was this pod <laughs> or thing Roach and, Motel, and I. Um, and it would always be like the advertisers. So I'm stuck in a call with the advertisers. So I'd be miming or even worse. You know, I would get on top of the table and I'd take my pants down and, and mime that I'm crapping on the actual That would – you could you, be in a tiny box on the computer doing that. Oh, yeah. People could see it now. <laughs> yeah, that would probably stop. That's right. I'd probably pay a little bit more attention. So so uh, that was a r- really weird plug I just gave to, to these good folks at GoToMeeting. Yeah. yeah. All right. So – Okay, how did you start directing? Um, I I I had a I did a a talking horse movie that that was really put me in comedy jail and was such a horrible experience after I made it. What was that called? It was called. Uh, it's called well, I like to call it that that 
fucking talking horse movie at our house. It was always called H to T. I would never even say it as my kid grew oh, up. Oh, have to try it. Yeah, <laughs> it could be. So, so after that, I was like, wow. I realized, like, if you're in front of the camera and you're not like someone who throws tantrums and all that kind of stuff, you really have no say in the outcome of how the movie's made. Mm. So, so that made me go out and make my first short after that. It was called The Making of Bikini School 3. And it was a uh, it was a behind the scenes of the third installment of the Bikini School franchise. Uh, so uh, so I made that and uh, and I use a lot of the people that still end up in the movies I make now. But um, uh, I think it's the first thing Kathy Griffin did. That's kind of weird. But uh, so 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 and then I went and made Shakes the Clown. And then I didn't work for a long time as a director, although I really wanted to. And then Kimmel asked me to come on uh, the man show and direct like segments. I, I didn't direct the, the, the live studio stuff, but I directed a lot of the segments. And, and for a while there, there were sometimes where I was directing all the segments. It was really crazy. But it was like comedy ER. It really is where I learned so much because, you know, one day it would be a hidden camera. One day it'd be, we'd shoot on film and it'd be, a, you know, a, a commercial parody or a film parody. So I got to try all different things there. And when you're directing those segments, are you – Telling them how to, uh, you know, giving them notes on their performances, or is it more directing the the technical stuff, or is it all of it? Uh, well, well, well yeah. When I would direct Adam, you really don't tell him much anything. So, <laughs> so I would try to have all the questions answered in advance for Adam. And and one thing I learned when I was directing Adam was that. Um, you know, Adam's super technical about what we're shooting, how we're shooting, and what we're doing. So, so fully let him know what it was. And Kimmel was a direct opposite. He was always on a need-to-know basis. Like, where do I stand? What do I say? And then we would do it until it was funny or he was happy and then move on, you know. But but uh, but Adam would be weird. He's like, why are we doing this again? And it would be like, well, it has nothing to do with you. You know, the the, the stripper the that you're <laughs> acting the scene with, you know, I would I would pretend that I wasn't filming them and put a, a, a light over the tally, the red light. And, and so so I'd be filming other people because I had yet to get the, an mm-hmm. actual good performance out of them. Oh, that's so interesting. Well, that makes sense a lot then of little tricks like that. that. Um, I was if it's interesting about Adam though that uh, he needs to have the big picture. Yeah, he needs the whole picture. It makes yeah. sense that he's doing his own, you know, his entirely own venture now. Yeah, and and that's you, you know you you had to explain everything to him, and then he would do it. So what a pain in the ass. Um, no, I you know it it was just when I was there, I knew I was facilitating him. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I did a commercial with him, and it was it was funny. Like the people in the commercial, they all thought <laughs> they thought they were going to tell him what to do, and I was like, "Oh, that's cute. You know, <laughs> that's really sweet. You know." And then we get there, and he's like, "Ah, you know." So, so I know, uh, you know, that's Adam. So, you know, and uh, but but you work with different people different ways. And um, when I'm working for a comedian, I, I really just try to take their ideas and maybe add stuff to it but are really trying to make it what they had in mind and and, and try to protect them from powers that be or just deliver what they want it, now if it's my own thing it's 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 different but i mean it's it's i still like to collaborate with everyone i work with now you said that you realize that if you're not someone who throws fits or tantrums you're not going to be able if you're the person who's in front of the camera you're not going to be able to make it the way you want it um did 
did you lament that you weren't able to throw fits and things like that? No, that's just not my personality. You know, I mean, that's I wouldn't be happy. You know, I think like making a movie should actually be a lot of fun. Even you know, uh, Bob Fosse is probably my favorite director, and 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 it, you know, he would be filming like a, a, the rape. <laughs> the, the necrophiliac rape scene in Star 80 and then after they would go cut and everybody would be like woohoo <laughs> they're just having a party you know and I, I kind of feel that way I mean I, I, I respect an actor and what it, they take to get into a certain place but at the same time I I, I don't think making movies where you're trying to parody hypocrisy it should be a, a, a horrible time. Mm-hmm. It, it, it would bother me more to wrap a movie and then have someone say that was the worst time I've ever had. I would, I, 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 that was the other problem with me. You know, like I would always take really bad jobs and be more concerned that the person at craft service thought I was a good guy than the person who run the networks. I always had it backwards. I don't know what that was about. I mean, but it's is it that those are the people you come in contact more, or do you think of them more as salt of the earth? Or I don't know. I mean, like, like if a a guy who ran a condescending, what I just said. (laughs) (laughs) No, but if if a guy who ran a network said I was an asshole, that wouldn't bother me. If a guy who who put out the red vines every morning and coffee said I was an asshole, that would bother me. I don't know why I'm wired that way. Well, um, here's where I propose different theories about that. Uh, is it maybe that you don't want to be the person who's an asshole to the crew? Yeah, I mean that that'd be really important. I mean, you know, yeah, I don't really care what what my perception is, what, how people perceive me, but it is important to me the people that actually brush against me what they think of me, right? You know? Which uh, again, that's uh, you know whatever. I'm sure there's some some grip going. Really, I thought you were an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, uh, for the most part, that is how I view the world. That's why I'm off making my tiny movies, you know. I mean, I don't I don't I don't do well in a pitch meeting. I don't do well, you know, I just don't do well in that that world because I get exhausted. I, I it's not that important to me to be in front of uh, have a series or have a big movie, you know. Mhm. Yeah. I really sound like I'm full of shit, don't I? <laughs> No. Well, I'm trying you, to think. If you're listening I be- to this, would I you call bullshit? You. Well, but but you have a soft spot for me. <laughs> this is something we should talk about as well. Well established. <laughs> but no, I believe you. I've I've heard you. I've heard you on some other podcasts recently. This sounds very sincere. Well, you know, until I, I can until I have success, until until my zombie fetus movie does well, <laughs> then I'll be throwing chairs across the room and stuff like that. So here, uh, oh, wait, no, I, I'm changing direction. <laughs> I've got two things I want to say. Um, I I was in the articles that I was reading. You were talking about uh, when you were doing a bunch of talk shows, and it was this whole like, let's have Bobcat come on and he'll do something crazy. And you began to feel like you were Richard Simmons. Yeah, definitely. Can you talk about that a little? Well, bit? it was just uh, 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 for folks that aren't aware of my body of work. But yeah, so I'd set the Tonight Show on fire. I actually, just set a chair that I'd been sitting on on fire and smashed the Arsenio Hall and shot a fire extinguisher up Kathy Lee Gifford's skirt and just all this kind of it was really it was kind of How funny. did she react? She was actually a good sport much to my surprise. She was like <laughs> ooh <laughs> she's a little, I think she's a she's a freak. <laughs> so 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 um you know, it was really funny because I was kind of just like over it, like, oh, you know, just like, fuck it, I'm tired of this wheel. And and then the more I, destructive I was, the more people wanted me on their shows. But I got tired before that because I would just come on the show and I would run around and I'd say outrageous things and it'd make for interesting TV. But But I wasn't making anything and I wasn't 
it, it just felt really empty. Just to be famous, to be famous, mm-hmm. doesn't very. It doesn't doesn't interest me. It doesn't interest me now, even. Yeah, that actually resonated with me a lot, or made me think a lot about the fact that um, you were talking about how. I I think, tell me if if this is what you're talking about. You're saying that as a culture, we aren't rewarding people who make something or who comment on the world we live in. The whole thing is just chasing fame. And there's this pressure to, as a comedian, to have a Facebook page and to Twitter. And then that got me thinking about the fact that, yeah, I don't feel like I'm really taking time to step away from I mean, I don't even know what because it's not like I'm in the spotlight. But to step away from constantly commenting and and farting out tweets and all that stuff to actually make something artistic that I'm proud of, which I I know is in me and I want to do that. And that's something I used to be more involved in. Now I'm just kind of doing this thing where I'm out there and I'm tweeting and I'm very active in social media but I, with the idea that I'm, you know, amassing this platform in order to, I don't know what. But I mean, <laughs> but for, you, for me, there's. But something... you have to make something to feel good. I mean, that's yeah. at the end of the day, you really do. I mean, it doesn't have to be, uh, uh, you know, something that An opus. You, it doesn't have to be something other people are even exposed to. But that's what I have to do. I should say that. You know, so 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 it's as simple as that. Were you were you happier when you were in a band? No, no, because I've always been. Um, a writer more than a musician and the band was fun but um i think in terms of that specific creative uh outlet writing is always what makes me feel like i'm creating i suppose so i can feel pent up and if i sit down and just write a blog post actually i will feel better yeah because right now most of the stuff i'm doing is podcasts and on-air stuff which i enjoy um and and i i I'm happy that this is what I'm pursuing and it's, you know, ultimately what I want to do, but I have to make myself continue to write because that I think is, um, I don't know. I feel like, I don't want to say more of my heart is in that, but I feel well, like. Well, because this stuff is almost instantaneous. It goes away. Yeah. As as, and it's also, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, so, so when you write something, it, it exists and, and, and that, to me is is uh is almost a whole deal a whole deal <laughs> whole deal the whole deal <laughs> is, is because uh i you know the, the the movies that i make you know after world's greatest dad i actually wrote five screenplays so so i i and i by the way i don't enjoy the process of writing at all i, I enjoy having them done and out of me mm-hmm. like i just started something recently and i'm just in a bad mood until it gets finished um, I just feel grumpy when it's like, you know what I mean? It's yes. just like, like, and everything is an interruption. So, so, so do you ever go away to write? No. When I was writing the most, um, so I come from journalism and working for magazines and things like that, where everything, you have a deadline and then you just turn it in. And so anytime I've tried to write longer, I... I give myself over to it for a little while and then I kind of pull myself out of it. Like I have a million first pages of uh, of pilots. Like I w- and I feel like when I, I – I can't go forward with it. I just go sideways. Like I'll write the same beginning scene repeatedly and then I don't keep going. Like I start editing myself or, you know, I've written um, – I have – 
you know, book type stuff and uh, uh, various amounts of progress on that. I don't know. I'm very good at working. Uh, I hate saying this because I don't enjoy the experience of having a deadline. But in terms of writing, I'm good at short form with deadlines as opposed to like writing a movie or something. You should do what I do. I go to a chain quality hotel and I book myself in and that's when I write stuff. And How long do you stay? Uh, sometimes three days, sometimes seven days. But but if, sometimes I finish the script the whole in the whole week, you know, mm-hmm. or not. But I get a really good start because I'm sitting there going, I can't believe I'm paying for this. <laughs> I'm I'm away from all distractions. Detective Carla Whiskerson is not <laughs> bringing me her uh, her banana, right? Uh, you know what I'm saying? So so and my friends can't call me up and say, hey, uh, you know, at the at the Cine family, there's a, a you know. So I'm I am forced to write and and that's all i do and 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 you get stuff done that way i can, mean or I if do. you don't do that can you get stuff done i do but it's not it's it's no it's not as it takes longer and it's more um it's more labored and yeah. and i do i totally totally identify with before i started down this road of doing this i the 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 the, the, the beautifully written first scene <laughs> so many scripts that that scene was really well written <laughs> but there was nothing else you know yeah so, so i kind of just go really fast now like you know do an outline figure out what world they live in and, and i always you know the first thing i'm writing is what is it at the end of the movie i'm trying to say and once i know that then all the other scenes kind of fall into place because you go ah, is this really helping or is this something i think would be cool to see in a movie you know what i mean so mm-hmm. so i kind of throw those away and just just say if it's get, helping me get to the end so what is the thing you're working on now? <laughs> the thing I'm working on now is too goofy. Uh, uh, I, 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 I will say this. Uh, uh, one of the movies I wrote was a, 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 a musical uh, based on an album from the Kinks from the 70s called Schoolboys in Disgrace. And I just came from London and, and I had a lot of really good meetings about it. So knock on wood, maybe, maybe my musical will get going next year. So for each thing you've done, you do you have – in a couple sentences, what it is you were trying to say? Like, do you always have yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially in the last three, to the point where it's they're always like, you know, I, I don't consider the movies that I've made so far, they don't exist in any real world. They're very fable like, you know, the. Sleeping dogs lie, you know. At the end, the woman says, "You." Know, I used to think that <laughs> she says that uh, it's the it's the living up to the lies that we tell about ourselves that makes us better people. So I thought, okay, now I'll go backwards from there. And then the end of World's Greatest Dad, he says, "You know, I used to think the worst thing in life is ending up all alone. It's not the worst thing in life is ending up with people that make you feel all alone." So I went backwards from that, and you know, so everything had to go into that sentence. And this movie was I, I didn't really have the one line or something, but I wanted to write a movie that said. Uh, where are we going as people, and am I part of the problem or am I part of the solution? Uh, what, you know, so that that was what I was thinking the whole time of this. So I always get really defensive when someone feels that the end is tacked on because the end is usually the first You're thing like, I no, come up with. The movie was tacked on. <laughs> the movie was tacked <laughs> on in my end. Yeah, right. that, that's one of the things. That's one of my kryptonites. So you have said the key to happiness is to get a reprieve from narcissism. That's a quote I read wow. that you said. Wow. Or it was attributed to you. I, I I think I would have said that, but yeah, that is the a reprieve from narcissism is 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 the key to happiness. Right. You know those those fleeting moments when I'm sincerely 
trying to not think about myself is uh, is so hard. But uh, but but those are the, that is the yeah that is yeah. I think you're talking about the pursuit of instant gratification. Yeah, and how we, that's all very narcissistic. Or or the pursuit of how people perceive you in the room. You know, I mean, yeah. it's like if you could. You know, being being comfortable when you're not the focus uh, is uh, is is yeah, maybe these are things that happen to you when your testosterone starts fleeing your body. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it could be just my age. You know, it can. I don't know how profound I am, or if I'm just like, yeah, I don't have the energy to be a blowhard today. <laughs> <laughs> well, what were you like when you were younger? Um, I was a lot of trouble, you know, um, but not. You know, it was always the same targets. You know, I always kind of was defending the misfits and the weirdos, and I was always kind of taking on authority and bullies, and never, you know. So, so when I would go to jail, it was never for like uh, picking on somebody. It was always for something really stupid, like breaking into the county war memorial to make popcorn when I was drunk <laughs> and hungry. Did you do it? <laughs> oh, sure. Was it good? The popcorn? <laughs> I never got to the popcorn. Oh. It was, but I, I I did spend three days in the uh, in jail uh, because I did it on the uh, uh, Memorial Day weekend. So, uh, How many could, times have you been to jail? You know, this is something I find strange. I've, I've only been to jail, I think, um, twice that I was actually in jail, but I've been arrested four times because sometimes you just get arrested and they turn you over. But with that said, <laughs> I always think everybody's been to jail. <laughs> and I yeah. remember once when I was directing the Kimmel show and and somebody said something. I go, you know, it's like when they bring you the food in jail, you just eat it because it's a distraction and helps kills time. And and I thought everyone was going to go, yeah. And everyone just looked at me going, we haven't been to jail, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like – I guess it's like – I think we were talking about plain food. <laughs> Adam uh- – he and Jimmy went to jail and ate the food for a segment. Mm-hmm. And so he'll always tell the story and he'll neglect to mention that it was for a segment or for the man show. Mm. And in fact, it's it comes off sort of like when you tell the story. And I have to be like, I have to remind him to tell them that. that it he just hasn't sounds gone like to jail? Oh. Well, it just sounds like he's recounting a story about eating the food in jail. But it's not like I was there long enough to get like a nickname or that I was cooking <laughs> I was making uh, 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 alcohol, rubbing alcohol uh, hooch. But um, so uh, I, I'm sorry. How is this that you were that guy who defended misfits, but also you were homecoming king? Maybe I come from a very black and white world about what makes someone popular in high school. Well, I that seems I, anomalous there, to there me. Could, <laughs> there's two theories on why I was homecoming king. Maybe I was popular or maybe it was a hilarious joke. You know, maybe well, it was going to be either me or the guy <laughs> that put erasers in his mouth and ran around and said, sissy fell in the diaper pail. <laughs> If, if, right. if, if no, he, I feel like you guys would would split the votes. If Billy, if Billy could have made it all the way, okay, I gave out his first name, but uh, there's a lot of Williams. Yeah, a lot of Williams. Exactly. Um, but uh, but no, it sounds like you were genuinely popular. I was popular, I guess, but but I I uh, I didn't I I hung out with everybody. I didn't really and people who say that usually didn't, but I did. You know, I I had friends from from all, you know. I didn't really think about that. I didn't think about like oh these are the drama nerds or these you know were you confident um yeah really confident and really uh but so self-loathing so so weird you know to be to be so have so much confidence as a kid and then and then also uh you know having all this self-loathing it was really strange where did the self-loathing come from do you think i don't know i was i don't remember it not being there you know so so it was uh it, it was a really weird combo 
So what what was your family like? You were the youngest of seven. <laughs> um, it, you know, it wasn't nutty to me until I started having my friends over when they were in their early teens. And they were like, this is madness. You know, <laughs> my dad in his boxing short underwear. Uh, he would never pour himself a drink, so he'd just take yours. And so, like, <laughs> he would take Tom Kenny's milk and drink it. And Tom Kenny would be like, "What?" And my dad always was playing Family Feud, but he wasn't watching the TV. He just had it on like a radio. Mm-hmm. So he'd be like, "Going bicycle chains, tubes, <laughs> bulbs," you know. <laughs> and so, and also. Uh, uh, a lot of drinking, and, and I have told stories about my old man, but he was very fascinating with his, uh, uh, you know, he would do things like say, I'm going to jump into a mayonnaise jar, and then he'd open up a mayonnaise jar and then climb on top of the refrigerator with a crash helmet and <laughs> he had, like maybe a cape and stuff. And uh, when you're a little boy, you just thought he was really going to do it, and it was terrifying. And like all the neighbors would come in and stand around the refrigerator and wait for my dad. And there was always something would to stop. jump into the jar. Yeah, but then he'd say, "Oh, oh, oh, I'm sorry, this is uh, Hellman's. I can't use Hellman's." You know, there was always <laughs> there was always something that prevented him from right. doing his. They were like suburban performance art pieces <laughs> all fueled by Budweiser you know like he would say he was going to jump the above ground pool on my brother's mini bike <laughs> and he'd build a ramp all day and it just be getting hammered and then he'd take the bike and go up and down up and down and what he was doing it was running it out of gas so oh you know so so For, when did, so he did he ever intend on following through on these things or no, the, no, whole, but the he whole never, point was to kind of rope people in he to, rope everybody in and it, it, to the point people would be screaming and stuff you know because it you know you know down the ramp what did your mom think of this oh she could give a shit she was like oh i hope he cracks his head open you know she she just so it was one of those loving relationships well she was just over it you know so so then later on when he got as an older man he would just do magic where he was really really bad he was great so he'd go i don't like performing for the senior citizens uh uh, no, he liked the senior citizens. I'm sorry. He hated performing for kids because they would figure out the tricks. So uh, when people have dementia, they just thought he was a wizard or something, <laughs> that my dad had powers. What was his actual job? He was a sheet metal worker for the longest time. And uh, and my older brother was a sheet metal worker also. Um, and, and what's the age range of all of you guys? Uh, I'm the youngest. I'm 50. So... They really just pounded us out right in a row. There was uh, the five kids in, in like almost like eight years. And I also, another thing that I read that you said was that fame was like an eraser because <laughs> it does, it like is, your parents forget about yeah. what you were like as a kid. Yeah, or or all the disappointment or, or, or yeah. But was there – is that your self-loathing or was there really no, some expectation no, because on you? I was a really bad student and I did get in trouble all the time. So yeah, so so yeah, it, was, it wasn't a blast raising me. I mean I, I, I was definitely a, a dick in my parents' ass. <laughs> That's a <laughs> – it's a sweet thing. That's actually a card I'm coming out of. <laughs> That's nice. Sorry I was a dick yeah. in your ass, Mom. <laughs> what would the image on the front be? I don't know. Actually, that's not the, that's not the best Mother's yeah. Day card. Dear Dad, sorry I'm a dick in your ass. And you have a tattoo of a potato on a fork? I have a lot of pota- tattoos, actually. I have a – yeah, but that's only for the people in Syracuse. They would know what that is. The yeah, because this person in Glendale right now doesn't know what that is. Um, a salt potato is a, a – it's just in Syracuse and it's, it's – they take a small potato 
you, you boil it in about a pound of wa- uh, salt. They give you like a bag of salt, a big like it looks like a kilo of salt, and then you pour it in the pan. You boil the potatoes. The potatoes become crusty with salt, and then you dip them in butter. It's like uh, white trash. Um, it's white trash lobster, but it's salt <laughs> potatoes. So if you don't have them, if someone just punches you in the heart, that's good enough. So, so I have a sacred oh. salt potato, and then on the bottom it says three one five Porvita. That's the area code because wow. I'm a gangster for life. And uh, and then over here, <laughs> this is the scoop because uh, not many people have ever. This is the uh, this oh, is wow. Ed Wood. Nice. But my sister goes, your uncle's got Ed Hardy tattooed. I was like, oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I could Ed Hardy. Some people go, why do you have Johnny Depp on your arm? <laughs> I like that it, this freckle looks like. <laughs> oh, yeah, it <laughs> does. a bullet shot in the head. But, yeah, so I, I really uh, – I don't consider Edward the worst director. You know, I, 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 I'm very soft on him because he had to make movies. He didn't – you know, I mean, he wasn't – Making money, he just made them because he and they were always personal and they were always imaginative. So, so I have a very soft spot for Ed Wood. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed part one of the two part episode experiment. Remember, on Thursday morning, before you even have coffee, check your iTunes because you'll be able to download part two of the Bobcat Goldthwait episode. And in that one, we finally get into the topic of my crush on Bobcat and the awkwardness that surrounds all of that and also your favorite segments like Just Me or Everyone and Hey, Go Fuck Yourself. I mean, I'm not telling you guys to do that. I'm just saying that's what we talked about. Okay, see you then. Hey, do you know about the Alice and Rosen show?
listening to the Ace Broadcasting Network.